0: What is though what do you want
1: me to say you have found
0: chameleon, chameleon. 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 season three wild boys a production of Campside media
1: oh <laughs> hey everyone sam willens here just a quick programming note for you so wild boys is an eight-part series with two clear halves so far we've heard four And we have four all-new episodes for you dropping every Tuesday starting next week. So this week, instead of radio silence for our intermission, we thought it would be fun to include an interview I did with Josh Dean, the original voice of the Chameleon franchise, and his pal Rajiv Gola, to serve as a sort of intermission episode. This conversation is part of their terrific bi-weekly show that they make for Chameleon subscribers called Art of the Con. In the interview, we talk a little bit about how the Wild Boys series came to be and what it was like for me to make something in and about my hometown. So let's all take a breath this week, get some popcorn ready tell 2.5 of our friends how much we're enjoying the series so far and we'll be back with the final four all new episodes of wild boys starting next tuesday all right here's me with josh and rajiv hi
2: everybody this is josh dean Chameleon season one host from the Hollywood Con Queen and one of the founders of Campside Media, makers of the Chameleon franchise and our new season, Wild Boys, which is awesome and just an incredible addition to this franchise that we hope will run for years and years. But it's an incredible new story and spin on the whole idea of con artistry, which I guess is the loose parameters of of what Chameleon is. It's people pretending to be something that they aren't. And so I invited my friend and co-host of the wildly popular, subscriber-only talk show, Art of the Con, Rajiv Gola here. Hi,
0: Rajiv. Hey. How's it going? What, what are you doing here? What exactly? Do you want to tell the people what we're doing? I have no idea. You uh, just put this on my calendar. Okay. Rajiv, prepared as always. What a great Well, you told me you... S- <laughs> I literally came into your office before this, and I said, do you have questions prepared? And you said, I just wing it. I don't think he's even heard the show. <laughs> Wild Boys, (laughs) it's about the Duran Duran
2: song, right? Um, (laughs) Rajiv, we're here to talk to the host of season three of Chameleon, I believe, right? That's right. So yeah, Rajiv and I do this little uh, subscriber-only talk show for the Chameleon subscription feed, which is currently available on Apple Podcasts. Also the feed that anyone who's listening to Wild Boys with no ads or a week early, you already subscribe, so you can become a huge Rajiv Gola fan, like dozens and dozens of Americans. Yeah. And Canadians, sorry. And um, all North Americans. Dozens and dozens of North Americans.
0: This is the uh, the first episode your free letters are going to get, and probably the last if I have anything to say about it. I mean, that's the goal. Yeah, it's like pearls to swine. Anyway, we are here to not talk about
2: con artists from the news. We're here to talk about Chameleon Season 3 Wild Boys. And so we called all the way to... Northwestern Canada. Actually, Sam, do you live, do you don't live in the Okanagan anymore, or do you? No, I'm in Toronto now. You've moved to Eastern Canada. Yeah. All right. So, Sam Mullins, the host of season three, citizen of Canada, um, native of the Okanagan, which is where Wild Boys takes place, a very beautiful place that I have been to a few times. Um, He's here to talk to us about this season and um, about this really unusual con artist story. So, Sam, could you like obviously anyone listening to this has heard. It would be very weird if someone had listened, not listened to Wild Boys, but was currently listening to an interview of us talking to you about Wild Boys. But I suppose it's possible someone There's has done A couple Dean that. heads out there, some Josh Dean heads. Uh, <laughs> um, so, can you tell us like the backstory behind this, like why this is a story that you found and and why you wanted to tell it?
1: Yeah. Well, you know. I totally had forgotten about this story and had not had a single thought about it in like 12 years. And uh, one, day it, I, one day I was actually reading um, a, a long form piece. I think it was in maybe an outside. And it was about like, there was like a guy that um, no one could ID. And a bunch of people had pictures with this guy and they would put it on the internet. And I'm like, I want. I'm like, wow. That's crazy that in this day that someone could, you could put their photo all over the internet and people wouldn't recognize him like that. He it's like, he didn't exist. And then I was like, oh my God, (laughs) I I just remembered this really bizarre story uh, from my hometown that happened when I was a 16 year old. And I remember like, it's really interesting to, to think about like how we file stories, Away, like from our childhood, you know. Like, there's so many times, like how in the last few years we've had the reframing of Britney Spears's early 2000s and that uh, that O.J. Uh, docu series. And and when I went back and looked at the newspaper clippings and stuff, I was as struck by the story as I was by the coverage of the story from the time. It, it, it was a real time capsule where um, I just felt like the the tone was so. <laughs> like reading it um, as an adult, I'm like, man, everyone was really uh, prepared to to throw these boys, these like young boys, like one of them was only 16, to really like throw them uh,
0: under the bus. I'm, I'm curious whether you think something like this could happen again, you know, because it does <laughs> seem kind of impossible in this day. Was re- this sort of the last gasp of a, a pre-totalized <laughs> internet? I know. Yeah. It, is, it is such a boring
1: exercise to think about. Like, I wonder how this specific story like would would happen today with this story, because this story would last maybe like two hours of being on the <laughs> internet. <laughs> <laughs> and it would be like, that guy's from my high school. <laughs> That's not who that is, you know? It's, it's so remarkable how big this story was. Um, like, obviously it was in another country, but The size of the – or the amount of media coverage, it's really surprising that they weren't ID'd sooner, even though it was pre-social media. It's still kind of surprising. Did
2: you – so it's interesting that you like basically just filed it away in your memory and almost forgot about it. Even though I think having listened to the first four episodes of the show, it's clear that this was a huge event in your town and in Canada and around the world. Yeah, and in a town where the previously most famous thing was that some lady became Winston Churchill's secretary—is that right? <laughs> yeah, pretty dope. Secretary. Pretty dope. <laughs> so, and yet still, <laughs> the biggest thing that happened to your town, you
1: still kind of filed it away and forgot about it. Um, yeah, I, I've I've been thinking about that because it's almost like when when it turned out that uh, the boys, when the truth came out that they weren't who they said they were. It gave everyone's brain permission to forget it in the same way that like when you when you study to pass the class that you hate, it's like as soon as you put your pencil down in the exam, you can forget everything that you learned quicker when you give your brain permission to it. And I, I really feel like reaching out to people, I had to really um, jog their memory just to go back there. They're like, man, I haven't thought about that at all because... As soon as the truth came out, I was just angry. And I just, then I quickly forgot about
0: it and was like, well, yeah, whatever. Screw those guys. What was your reaction when uh, the truth came out when you were a kid? I mean, were you on board with the story? Did you believe it? <laughs> um, I, I honestly, I was
1: 16. So my reaction was kind of like, wow, what these guys pulled off was, like, incredible. <laughs> what a great prank. Or, what? A, you, you know, because this was kind of also a moment of, like, where I would have been, like, downloading Jackass and, like, maybe Punked would would have been happening, too. I was like, wow, <laughs> these guys really had us going for a second. And, like, no one suspected anything, you know. That, that was my honest 16-year-old reaction to it when the truth mm-hmm. came out. But I do remember the adults around me um, being a lot more angry than I was.
2: Yeah, I suppose it's astounding how many people fell for it.
1: I mean, you definitely introduced people who were
2: skeptical all along, right? Like the sheriff, I think, was skeptical. Um, Certainly, it sounds like people in Revelstoke were skeptical. They were at least skeptical of like, yeah, there's no way anyone lived in the woods out here. We would know about it. Which I I heard that and I wondered if that – is that actually true? Like the certainty – I've been to Revelstoke, right? There's a vast wilderness around Revelstoke. Canada and that part the part of Canada is very sparsely populated. You drive a long way just to get to Revelstoke from other towns that are not that large. But the certainty with which a local law enforcement officer would say absolutely we would know about them if they lived out there. Like
1: is that actually yeah. true? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I I imagine they just have such a detailed survey of of the area. Like the search search and rescue guys and like we have obviously such bad forest fires that I feel like everyone has a very close look of the whole land of that part of the that part of the province. That they would have to be in a very specific nook or cranny that no one would know about them.
0: <laughs> when you um, when you started looking into the story again after seventeen years, uh, and you went through the paces and jogged your memory, did you have the same reaction as you did when you were? A kid just impressed with the, uh, impressed with the prank of it. Oh, I,
1: I remember it just being so much more interesting than my brain ha- had filed it away as. You know, mm-hmm. like I didn't realize how many like politicians were involved. (laughs) We had a member of parliament and the mayor and uh, immigration and law enforcement. Like I didn't realize how many officials were involved because in my mind it was just, I, I remember hearing about Tammy's story because she was just one person removed from me. So I, I kind of remember hearing the story through Tammy. And I didn't realize how, when I went back to the stories that they were, maybe the story was bigger than than I remembered it as. Like, it was closer to the front of the newspaper, uh, the bigger newspapers than I remember it being.
0: Mm-hmm. Did you find yourself getting angry with it?
1: No, no. I just was really curious about it. And especially once the the parents came up to get them, I, I just remember reading those pieces and wanting to know everything about what was going on in the family. Because it's like, this story doesn't make any sense from the Vernonite perspective. So I was really curious to know how this story is told in that family. And was this a traumatic experience in their lives? Like how how did this story affect their lives? Like this media attention and like was there, was this bad for their reputation? Did this like affect the boy's ability to like get into a good school and, and things like that. And when they left town, uh, there was a lot of people speculating openly in the media about their their mental health, and mm-hmm. I was curious to know how how that played out in their adulthood and if they were okay. Like they seemed troubled in the coverage. Everyone seemed like very concerned about how troubled they were, but they seemed like they were maybe from a good family. So I wanted to I sought clarity on that.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, we don't want to. Talk too much about what happens, right? In the second half of the series, which sure. honestly neither Rajiv or I have has heard anyway, so I don't know if you've revealed the true story behind the mystery of the fruit. Because one <laughs> of the one of the most unintentionally funny things, and it's not funny because you know the kid is starving to death, literally. But the fact yeah. that they seem to eat only fruit yeah. is such a strange personality quirk that you know you can't help but wonder, like, how did this come to be? Because it's another thing where. Maybe it's a hint that it's all a lie because there's no way that somebody who grew up in the bush outside Revelstoke could be addicted only to fruit or could could survive only on fruit because fruit only grows outside Revelstoke for, like, three months a year. And you'd right. have to eat so many fucking tiny blueberries. <laughs> totally. <laughs> just to get a snack. Yeah. Let all, like, And then there's probably apples in the fall. And then the rest yeah. of the year, what are you eating? So right. that's one of the, like, small mysteries of the series is, like, how does a person come to be a consumer is it a fruitarian? What is it fruitarian? Is that is there a term for Uh
0: it? I think yeah, fruit fruitarian, fruitarian. Yeah. Well, this is like an actual practiced diet by, Yeah. For what reason? Like what's their re- reasoning on fruit? What was their reasoning? Um well, it's or just fruitarians in general. Yeah, yeah,
1: fruitarians. Um famously uh Steve Jobs was uh he was a fruitarian, and uh, there's actually a, there's actually a funny story about that. So Steve Jobs was a fruitarian. Um, he was like very experimental with his diet when he was getting a uh, cancer treatment, and uh, when Ashton Kutcher played Steve Jobs in that film. Ashton Kutcher, he was going through, like, a real uh, method acting phase. And he's like, maybe I'll just be, like, fruitarian for a couple months in preparation, like, leading up to shooting. And the dude had so much fruit and only fruit that he ended up being hospitalized because he was malnourished. Like, uh, his—I think his—he got—I think it's called pancreatitis or something like that. Like, his his pancreas had uh, enlarged or something like that. And he found his way into the hospital— but an interesting thing about that is that Rowan didn't have cancer, but he did have reasons to be searching like Steve Jobs was for a way to bulk up his immune system. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. And that's kind of, he, he, it was like an early moment in uh, there being garbage information on the internet <laughs> when he was like, <laughs> kind of like troubleshooting and looking to sort of biohack his way to health. Yeah,
2: I was telling Rajiv beforehand that one of the things people ask me, like, what's the hallmark of a campsite show? And I feel like one is stories that you will not hear anywhere else. And the other thing is, and this is really important to us, is that the hosts that we pick and choose to back are people who are either the only person who could tell that story or have such a good reason to be telling that story. Because I think so much of nonfiction podcasting has become trolling the Internet for, like, holy shit stories and then just telling them because they're holy shit stories. So often they feel sort of empty and like you could have any celebrity narrating them and it wouldn't really matter. And that's not to like throw shade at, there's good journalists doing stories that they have no personal connection to. But this is like such a clear case to me where, like no one's gonna ask why is Sam doing this story? Like literally this was your life. You grew up in it, you saw those boys, you sort of lived, lived it for those months. Um, and yet still, it never occurred to you that this is a story that you should tell, which is really interesting. Um, you, but you become a big part of the story, right? It's a big part of like, we don't get deep into your biography, but you like talk about yourself a lot and, and how you connected to the story. And also you knew all of the sites and the people like, aren't some of these people we're hearing personal friends, if not, or like at least acquaintances, people who you knew from your youth.
1: Oh, totally. Where the boys showed up in, uh, in Vernon is this corner store, cow store. It's literally like. Uh, stone's throw from my house that I grew up in. And I did see them, as I mentioned, that pilot. But yeah, as far as like my connections to people in the story, Tammy was my prom date's mom's good friend. And I remember like being over at um, at my friend's house and her mom. That was the first that I heard the story, I think, even before it was in the newspapers, where she's like, you won't believe what's going on with my friend Tammy. There were these boys living in the bushes behind Cal's door. And uh, that was the first I heard of it. So Tammy, she was kind of reluctant to revisit this story because she just has a bad feeling in her body when she revisits this story. It still feels a little bit rough for her, I think. So that was my connection to Tammy. And then the main police officer, who's like the thorn in their side, his son, I was only in one high school play and his son was the lead of the play. And interestingly, that play happened maybe two or three months before the boys came into town. And that play was called Village of Idiots. And it... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and it's a Canadian play that is about a small Jewish village in Poland. Um, and they're famous for being the village of idiots. And this guy on the run, he like deserted uh, the Russian army and he comes into town and he's embraced by the locals and he he comes up with a new name and he pretends that he's someone else. And he kind of falls in love with the small town that's looking after him and he's looking after them. and. It's just so bizarre <laughs> that that was the play that happened just before they came into town, and that Henry Pro the the corporal, he, he would have watched us do that play one <laughs> night. You know, It's really great coincidence. Another good coincidence was um, when I, I found out that there was a woman who worked as a counselor with the boys while they were in town, like a therapist type thing. And when I was at home, like, doing my reporting for this, I'm like, hey, mom, do you know this name? And my mom drops what she's doing and turns around. She's like, that's my therapist. (laughs) 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 You know, so there's lots of great small town connections and all the nurses at the hospital that were looking after them. It's like high school friends. And my sister-in-law was like a nurse at the hospital at that time. And. There was lots of um, asking favors, but but everyone everyone in my hometown um, that I reached out to, a lot of people were really spooked in general by me inquiring about anything because um, most of the people that I was talking to have never been approached by someone with a microphone before. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? So that was a fun thing to navigate.
2: That happens. I feel like that's still a podcasting like, that's, that happens in every podcast. Like, I I would say it's no longer or it's still a joke where people are like, what's a podcast? Like, that <laughs> actually happens, I would say, at least once per podcast.
0: It is incredible how the only people who have never heard of podcasts are the people you need to interview for your story. <laughs> <laughs> It's so true. Every time. Every single time. Yeah.
2: Because it seems like a bit. It's like, it's like, yeah, it's been on Portlandia and SNL. That's the joke. It's like everybody has a podcast now and you're still like, they're like, wait, what again? What's a podcast?
0: (laughs) So I totally, yeah,
2: that doesn't just happen in Vernon, British Columbia. That happens in East New York as well. Um, Oh, yeah. So would you say that, and maybe this is a really dumb and obvious question, that like the fact that you were from Vernon then- made it easier. Like, would, would are these people that wouldn't have talked to like Rajiv if he showed up in town?
1: I think, I really think that most of these people needed a mutual connection to them to talk. And, and even, even when I did have a mutual connection, sometimes they still like, wouldn't want to talk to me. There were, there were lots of people that like, were just not into it at all. But, Thinking about, like, the key interviews, like Tammy, I I don't think Tammy would have talked to me if it wasn't for having um, someone that she knew being like, no, he's a really nice boy. He took my (laughs) daughter to prom, (laughs) you know.
2: He kept his hands above the waist during slow dancing. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. (laughs) So how long did you work on this? Like, what what was the – like, I think you – it wasn't like one that you were burning to tell for years. It sounds like it was like a bit of an epiphany. Holy shit. That would make a great podcast and yeah. then how long after that were you making this podcast and and then
1: how long did it take the moment i had the thought whoa whatever happened to those boys as soon as i had that thought that would have been october 2020 and then i was i was reaching out to corporal pro se one of the boys and tammy by christmas was when I got those interviews. Meanwhile, I was like learning. (laughs) I was teaching myself how to work microphones and Zoom recorders and sound editing software and DAWs. So I kind of was like teaching myself that stuff on the fly while I was interviewing people for the first time in my life. And then (laughs) I I think I had my first draft uh, by by mid-January of uh, 2021.
2: First draft of a like of
1: a pilot, of a pilot, yeah. Where I was showing it to friends, I'm like, should I stop what I'm doing? (laughs) They're like, no, keep going. Yeah. So, were you gonna
2: make it yourself, or you were just doing that as like a proof of concept?
1: It it was one of those things where I was like, yeah, I'm gonna make this entire thing by myself, you know, because I I come from like a solo show background, um, where you do everything involved in like the the promoting and the making and the designing of the poster to the editing, the lighting design, everything. And um, with this thing, I was just like, yeah, this will just be like that where I can just do the whole thing myself. And I think... I was like halfway through the pilot and I just did a, a rough calculation in my head. I'm like, this would take me seven years if I did <laughs> this just by myself to make it really good. And then I had the idea to start looking for someone to like make this thing with.
2: Yeah. Another another of the like questions that I hear along with what's a podcast is like there's all those names at the end of a podcast. Right. What, what, what does everybody do? But are, are, so are you are you are you here to assure people that it does indeed take more than one person to make a you can you can confirm for me that it takes more than one person
1: to make a good podcast. Oh, my God. It sakes like so many people. And there still feels like there aren't enough people. <laughs> it's like, if anything, there aren't enough people involved.
0: And Abukar works as hard as like three of the rest of us. He makes us I look so bad, Jesus Christ, man.
1: That is true. I, it's true. I always joke with him. I'm like... I'm like, the only time I reach out to you is when I have something that is just a terrible problem that (laughs) I would never want to deal with. And then you fix it so quickly and professionally. It's insane. Abacar by the way,
2: is the producer. Abakar, Don, who's uh, listening in on this interview but not participating. He's here to stop us if we give away spoilers. But he and Sam um, were – partners on this and took quite a road trip but we won't give away too many details of that because that's going to play into future episodes too he's been with us since the beginning he worked i should say worked on chameleon season one so
0: he's been with this franchise from the beginning i'm curious what it's like because i've always had a fantasy of going back to daytona beach where i grew up with kind of like a journalist's lens and seeing the whole town differently seeing everyone i knew there differently i mean was it similar for you how Tell me about how strange that is.
1: Yeah, it's been um, in the Okanagan. It's there's lots of stuff set in Vancouver, and people have an idea of what like other regions of that part of the world are, but nothing is ever set in the Okanagan. Like we don't have our movies, our cultural touchstones. Like novels aren't set in the Okanagan, and I've always wanted to do something about the Okanagan because it's so specific. It's unlike anywhere else in Canada in lots of different ways. And it's been so fun to, also I've been away from the Okanagan for long enough that it's been good to go in with fresh eyes also. I was just thinking recently about how, thinking about this story in in particular, this idea that why could this have only happened in Vernon? And it really feels like that muscle that we have, like after living in the safe for a long time, this idea where you're like at an event or you're schmoozing or wherever uh, being pitched out in public by someone trying to sell you something or, or something like that. Like the, the muscle where you're skeptical and like, what is this person trying to get from me? I wonder why that person said that. It's mm-hmm. like... in. The Okanagan, that muscle is something that, like, I had never flexed at all. It's like, why would anyone ever, like, play a tactic with me or say something other than what they mean, you know? Um, (laughs) It's like, I I think, I forget which episode it's him, but um, I think there's a line that says something to the effect of, it wouldn't cross your mind that someone isn't telling the truth because why would anyone even do that? (laughs) Like, what what would be the point of that? So... It's been really interesting to feel that uh, more than ever when I was like going back and doing my reporting and going to the old places.
2: Is Vernon close to the town where they film all the Lifetime Hallmark Channel movies with the fake snow? Do you know oh. that town?
1: Oh, I think I know what you mean. Um, I believe it's also in Central British Columbia. Is it yeah, oh, I think it yeah. is,
2: right? Where it's like yeah. in summer, they film all the wintry Christmas right. Hallmark right. Channel movies
1: yeah yeah if if i have it right it's uh you're thinking of canmore which is sort of like between calgary and the okanagan mystery alaska i think was shot there and tons of hallmark movies for sure
2: this was an extremely niche question. Niche. No, yeah. wait, wait, no. Why do they shoot there? <laughs> Why do they shoot there? Because Canada, it's cheaper to film in Canada for one thing. And the Hallmark Channel puts out some absurd number of movies per year. Like they film <laughs> one per week. So they've essentially taken over this town. And they just film one after. There's, like, there's a whole culture that's grown up there. And like they shoot the Christmas movies in summer. So there's like fake snow all the time. Incredible. I think yeah. there was a New Yorker story about it once. Um, oh, Yeah. Very relevant to the Wild Boys. I just, needed to know, I just needed to know all this talk of Central BC. So what's your relationship with the boys like
1: now? My relationship with the boys, I feel like we're in a good place. Um, <laughs> I, I can say that I genuinely enjoyed uh, my time with both of them. And I think that they're fascinating guys. And uh, they surprised me in a lot of ways. And I think they'll surprise listeners in a lot of ways, too.
2: Yeah. Rajiv and I honestly don't know what's happening next. So we're excited. It's such a cool, fun, surprising show. And uh, you and Abakar and Karen and the whole team have done such a great job of turning it into compelling narrative audio. And um, yeah, subscribers get episodes a week early. Subscribers also get to listen to Rajiv every two weeks, talk about his favorite con artists from history as he learns how to be a con artist himself. And then this will culminate in the greatest experiment in podcast history. keep saying that. When we will set Rajiv loose to perpetrate a con and then make a podcast about (laughs) that con that I will investigate and solve. (laughs) Uh, All right. Thanks, Sam. Thanks, Abakar. Really enjoying it. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thank you.
1: Next week, Wild Boys resumes, where I go out looking for the boys to find out how and why any of this happened in the first place. And we get to finally hear from the family at the center of all of this. Did you like growing up in Vernon? Oh, oh yeah, totally. So you know why we stay there. Yeah, it's exactly. It's a perfect little town. It's right? a good spot for you guys to land. In.
0: So I'm just running, and, I'm, and I turn, make a turn, and I hop another fence. I didn't even bother looking behind me because I was too afraid.
2: Normal five-year-old, normal 10-year-old, not normal 15-year-old. I don't know what changed.
0: And that's what I showed as evidence to the policeman that I feel he's a threat to society. They're sort of like Nazis. <laughs> Come and take people away. If you understand Kyle's intentions and motives, you'll see there's no no wrongdoing, nothing he needs to account for. Hey
1: Kyle, give us a call um, on daddy's phone. Mine's not with me. We're really hoping you'll meet with Sam and, uh, they're, you know, It's best if if your point of view comes out in the story and the set of people just judging you and guessing your intentions. So please consider meeting with them. I'd like you to call us and let us know. Okay, bye.
2: Chameleon Art of the Con is a subscriber-only bonus feature inside the Chameleon feed. Your hosts are me, Josh Dean and Rajiv Gola. Production assistance by Ashley Ann Krigbaum and Ewan Laetremuwen. Episodes will appear bi-weekly throughout the new year. By the way, we'd love to hear from you. Do you have a favorite scam or a scam you'd like to hear us talk about? Maybe you perpetrated a scam yourself and want to confess to America, or at least to Rajiv. Drop us a line at ArtOfTheCon at campsidemedia.com. That's ArtOfTheCon at campsidemedia.com. Thanks.